It was the mid-1800s, we'll call it 1860, maybe it was 1861, in Minsk, or it might have been Pinsk, and there was a group of men, a group of Jewish men, and every single Tuesday night, they would go to the pub, and they would talk. And they would talk about Jerusalem. they would talk about Jerusalem, and they would talk about this beautiful, perfect, utopic place in exquisite detail. And they would do this week after week after week. And they were very sociable. And one day they decided to bring in one of their non-Jewish friends. So they brought him to the pub on one of their Tuesday nights. He came in and they started on their talk, talking about the moral value of what it would be like if they ever had Jerusalem, if they ever had Israel again, and how perfect this place would be. And then finally at the wee hours of the morning, the non-Jew, he stood up and he said, thank you all so much for inviting me, but I really, I have to go home. And before he left, they said, but can we, can we ask you one question? He goes, of course, you can ask me a question. And then there was this awkward pause. And they said, well, we wanted to know because we don't, we don't get to talk to a lot of non-Jews. What do you think of us? He goes, what do I think of you? Well, what do I think of you as the Jews? They go, yes, if you don't mind asking, if you don't mind asking, what, what do you think of us? He says, well, I think you're a wonderful people. You're learned, you're wise, you're very literate. I think you're great, except for one thing. And I go, except for one thing? What's the one thing? They go, well, you think that you're morally superior to everyone else, and I don't understand it. It's not that you're bad people, you're very good people. But I don't understand why you think you're morally better than everyone else. Now, when, when the Jews heard this, they weren't gonna argue with them. They said, listen, we know it's the wee hours of the morning, and we can't go into the etymology of how we got to this point, but what we'll do is that we'll just give you an example, and that'll explain why we think that. They say, look, you, the non-Jews, you hunt, and we don't hunt. And because you hunt and we don't hunt, we're, we're morally superior. And he goes, you've got to be kidding me. You don't hunt because we don't give you guns. And they go, fine, fine, you don't give us guns, but look at your state, look at your nation. You fight with all these other nations. And he goes, oy vey, even though he's a non-Jew. You all should pack your bags and you should go to this Jerusalem you talk about, and you should see what it's like. The men, they looked at each other, and the next morning they packed their bags, and they went to Israel. And we know how the story has played out since that point. In many respects, Israel has become a light to the world, just like those men in that pub spoke about. Technologically, it's one of the leaders of the world. It's the only democracy in the Middle East. They have equal rights in the country. There are Jews and Arabs serving in the government. There's even an Arab on the Supreme Court that just sentenced the Jewish president of Israel to jail. Gays have more rights in Israel than in almost any other country in the world. Agriculturally, they developed a land that was arid with very little water through their technology. And medically, they've developed some of the most advanced life-saving devices and technologies in the world. And I could go on and on about 
how Israel has become this light to the world and the successes of it. But there's also the not-so-positive side, the sides of Israel that they wrestle with now, that they're surrounded by other countries and issues they have to deal with now that they have those guns. There have been issues both externally and internally. And the story that I shared with you challenges us about the vision that we have for Israel as the light unto the world, while trying to exist in an imperfect and oftentimes hostile world. This week, at least for me, and Peter Logan, our drummer, has been a whirlwind. Peter and I, along with 40 other Emmanuel congregants, went to Washington, D.C. for the APAC National Policy Conference. We heard from President Shimon Peres, President Barack Obama, Bibi Netanyahu, as well as congressmen and pundits and thinkers. And then we ran back here as fast as we could to welcome President Shimon Peres into our own sanctuary. And the conference, it was a tense one. The conference focuses on those external issues that face Israel. The entire discussion that we had was based around Iran attaining the capability to build a nuclear weapon. And the question that was constantly asked was whether if the last 10 years of diplomacy, the last six years of sanctions, which have not prevented Iran from seeking a nuclear weapon, was enough, and if it was time to militarily stop them. And while the discussion has been happening for years, there is a qualitative difference in the air this year. One could feel the weight of the decision sitting on Obama's shoulders, the urgency of the voices in the members of Congress and the Prime Minister of Israel, the fear that is growing throughout the West that if, go, if this goes on any longer, that a nuclear race will begin in the most volatile region in the entire world, among Saudi Arabia and Turkey. The fear of a nuclear Iran has now moved to the forefront of Germany, France, and England. And given all of this, and the pressure of this, and the seriousness of this, the American Jewish community as a whole is generally not really reacting to the existential threat faced by Israel. And part of the lack of the reaction is from an exhaustion, from the constant talk of how Israel is going to survive the next calamity. And to be honest, I understand the responses of being tired of hearing of constant wars and threats, because if this is all one is taught or understands of Israel, it seems not only just like any other place in the world, but a pretty awful place. A place with constant problems and surce. And I have to say, I'm not surprised that my generation thinks of Israel just as a place. A place that is constantly in war and constantly on the defensive. I'm not surprised that when my generation talks about Israel, we don't talk about Israel the way that group of men did in that pub in Minsk. Because this is a story and a narrative that those men shared that has been virtually lost among my generation. The narrative of Israel is one of the utopic idea of Israel. While the current narrative is solely about the place 
of Israel. Now, the APAC conference is about the place of Israel and ensuring that Israel exists through supporting Israel's democracy. When Prime Minister Netanyahu spoke about the current situation and the threat from Iran, there was one point that stuck out to me the most. One point that I believe captures the challenges that we face as a Jewish community today. Prime Minister Netanyahu said, and I quote, today we have a state of our own. And the purpose of the Jewish state is to defend Jewish lives and to secure a Jewish future. Now, while this is true, the Jewish state does have the important job to defend Jewish lives, and we are unbelievably blessed that we have a state that can do this. And even though this is one of Israel's job, this is not and was not the point of having a Jewish homeland. It never had been the point for thousands of years. Do we need a place that is safe and secure? Absolutely. But the point of having Israel, according to the rabbis and the prophets, was to try and to build a world that was peaceful and ethical. The point of Israel was and continues to be a light to the world. And since we established the state, we as a Jewish people have forgotten this fundamental idea that Israel is much, much more than just a place to survive. Israel is a place that was meant to help the world thrive. Now, what I'm saying here, it's not new. When you look at our liturgy, it's all over our tradition. Many of the prayers written by the rabbis were actually written by rabbis that never stepped a foot in Israel. Israel was meant to be a utopia. Jerusalem is actually Yerushalayim, that's the Hebrew. It literally is Ir Shalom, the city of peace, a city of complete wholeness. And think about what you say every single year at Passover. We say next year in Jerusalem. Why do you think we say this every single year? Because we all could just jump on a plane and we could be there tomorrow. Because Yerushalayim is as much of an idea as it is a place. When we have the leader of the Jewish state of Israel say that, quote, the purpose of the Jewish state is to defend Jewish lives, with all due respect, he's missing the point. We must defend Jewish lives so we can focus on our work of fixing this fractured world. The question that we have to ask, given this massive discrepancy, and what our predecessors for the past thousands of years were teaching about Israel, and our current thinking about Israel, solely as a physical entity is, what can we do to reclaim our memory of the idea of Israel? This Yom Hatzma'ut, the Independence Day of Israel, we're trying something totally new. We'll call it a beta test. After yearning to return to the land of Israel, for thousands of years, we finally have. And the tragedy is that we have become so focused on place that our celebrations have devolved over the last 64 years. Most Yom Hatzma'ut celebrations are poorly attended, and usually now they consist of people eating falafel and maybe watching an Israeli movie. After 2,000 years, this is what we do. It's crazy. 
If you think where we as a generation sit in history, generation upon generation would envy our position in history. And we're eating falafel. So this year we're trying something totally new. We're having a Yom Hatzma'ut Seder. A Seder which will walk through the story of Israel and the idea of Israel from Abraham through the rabbis to the present. And similar to the Passover Seder, which is the most effective and practiced holiday in all of Judaism, at Passover we communally recount the story of what it means to go from slavery to freedom. And in the process, we create a communal memory that we have an obligation as Jews to care for all members of society, especially those who are at the very bottom of the socioeconomic ladder. Why? Because we know what it is like to be slaves in Egypt. The Yom Hatzmut Seder will walk us through the stories and back to our memory that Israel is much more than just a place. But Israel is an idea of a world that is peaceful and just. And that we as a people of Israel have an obligation to take the world from what it is to how it ought to be. The Seder is about revisiting and remembering our communal dream of Yerushalayim. So that when we go back to deal with all of the issues happening in the place of Israel, both internally and externally, we have a frame to deal with them. We have one of the largest contingents of co-sponsors for an Israel event yet in the Bay Area. People who love the idea of Israel as well as the place of Israel will be sitting together, eating together, celebrating together. People from across the political divide. This event is being co-sponsored by APAC, the American Israel Public Affairs Committee, the Jewish Community Relations Council, the New Israel Fund, the Israel Center, J Street, and the Friends of the IDF. And we're still expecting even more organizations to join us. For one night a year, we're actually going to put our politics aside and ground ourselves on where we came from in this journey and what our ultimate goal is. So I have two asks for you tonight. The first is to come and join me for our Yom Hatzminut Seder on April 26th and help us recall and internalize the memory of Israel. This is a fundamental part of Judaism that is being lost, and we will begin the process of revitalizing it. My second ask is that you join me and Peter and many other members of the Emmanuel community in D.C. next year, March 3rd to 5th, 2013, for the APAC National Policy Conference. APAC helps ensure that there is a safe and a secure Israel where Jews are not only safe, but also able to continue the sacred work of trying to put together the pieces of this fractured world. And don't check your calendars, because there's nothing to lose. If you sign up by March 20th, there's a big discount and there's a full money-back guarantee for the next 10 months. We've traveled a very, very long way, from Abraham to the prophets to the rabbis to that little tiny pub in Minsk. And along the journey, many of us have forgotten our way. Many of us have forgotten our memory. But we stand at one of the most profound and privileged moments of Jewish history. We've been waiting 2,000 years for this moment. 
Please join me as the men did in the pub in Minsk in packing your bag and continuing the journey to Yerushalayim. B'Sha'ah, Haba'ah, B'Yerushalayim. Next year in Jerusalem.